0: What's good, everybody? Sunday, fun day yet again, and it's hotter than the motherfucker where I'm at, so I'm sure it's pretty warm where the rest of you are at, but we're going to try to cool you down over here at the at the hideaway, and uh, I pretty much just got a little review for you guys today, my opinion on the whole Netflix uh, documentary series, whatever you want to call it, it's really like a two-parter uh, called Fear City, and I mean, it's centered around mob history, mainly in the late, late 70s, early 80s, like that golden era of the mob, so we're going to break that down here in just a few seconds, but uh, yeah, I mean, Episode 25, y'all, and uh, once again, I'm Ian Barr, and welcome to The Hideaway. And again that is Lords of Brooklyn, Lakes of Fire. Uh I'm going to keep using that shit until somebody sues me or they ask for royalties or whatever. But uh nonetheless, we're going to just dive right into it here. Uh, the Fear City documentary on Netflix was very I mean it was very well done. Uh whoever directed it and produced it and like tried to write it out did I mean they did a very very good job. They got a lot of big name investigators in on the series. My whole issue is there was really only two ex-wise guys in the series. And there's not only two ex-wise guys who have turned states evidence or wrote books or, you know, sorta of come out to talk about the light they used to live. They had uh John, uh Johnny alight and or John Boy Alight, Johnny a Light, John Alight, whatever you want to call him. And then Michael Franchese, Michael Francis, however you feel like pronouncing it. And I mean both both were big time I mean they were big time wise guys. They're both uh both made men. And uh John Alight was a Sort of a, a enforcer, a tough guy, whatever you whatever you fancy for the Gambino crime family, and Michael Francese was the son of Sonny Francese and was a big earner in the Colombo family. He was a big earner amongst a lot of families, uh, or so he says anyway. That he you know he intertwined with Genovese, he intertwined with you know Lucchese. I mean he I mean according to him the gas gasoline tax scam. Which, for those of you who don't know, because I haven't really done a Michael Francis episode, I did a Sonny Francis episode, that was actually the first episode to the podcast, but the Michael Francis bit is that he sort of was just, uh, he was never really like a, a hard-on type of guy, like he, as far as my knowledge is concerned, he's got no bodies under his belt, that might not be true, I can't speak 100%, but all the historians that... I trust and that I look to for guidance and answers have told me that Michael Franchese uh never never had to kill anybody. John Light on the other hand, John Light uh, does have bodies from everything I've been told, from everything I've read, everything I've seen. He uh he's got he's got a few bodies under his belt. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh yeah, Michael Franchese doesn't. It, he was never a killer. He was never really a tough guy. He's more the I mean, they called him the yuppie Don, which he always hated. Uh, but I mean, he was, he was a daddy air motherfucker, man. Like, I mean, that motherfucker pull up and uh, Porsches, you know, wearing $3,000, you know, tailored, whatever. It didn't matter whether it was, you know, bolting gear or fucking a suit or, you know, just kind of like, you know, leisure clothing, ca- casual clothing, you know, I mean, and speaking of clothing, uh, if you, I mean, if you out there and it's summer and you're looking for any fresh tanks or fresh shorts or swimsuits or, you know, any, anything you might need, pop over to our thing, clothing apparel on Facebook, Twitter, or I mean, you can just Google it and it'll pop up and, uh. And the people over there, uh, they'll sort you out with you, with what you need. Big shout-out to my boys over there at our thing, you know, uh, Gunnar Lindblom, uh, David Randazzo on Grand Rapids, holding it down. How you doing, Davey? Uh, Ronnie Cockroach, that's the boy. I was trying to get him on here today, but he ain't responding quick enough, and I do got to be getting to bed soon, you know, back to back to that 9 to 5 tomorrow. I mean, not really 9 to 5. It's like 7 to 7, but whatever. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, big shout-out to uh, our, our thing clothing apparel. Uh, they out, They out there holding it down, you know. Doing their thing, so pop over there and get yourself some gear today. But nonetheless, Michael Francis, he was uh, he was always kind of like a playboy. I mean, he I mean he dressed real nice, he drove real nice, you know his houses, his boats, his I mean he 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 was getting money. I'm not saying he wasn't getting money. He was getting money, but I don't know if he was clearing as much as they like to say. He likes to say that the gasoline tax scam. Uh, made as much money, if not more, than prohibition. I don't know how true that actually is, but that's just me personally. It could have very well made as much money. I know he, I know he was clearing some some mills. He wasn't. I mean, he wasn't breaking down, you know, hundreds of thousands. He was he was whacking up millions. And the whole way the scheme worked was he used to get gasoline wholesale, and then he'd sell it to gas stations on the principle that they would run that gas station into the ground because back in the day the government used to what they do is if you ran a gas station or something like that, like at, uh, you know, they used to do quarterly, quarterly tax, you know, like sort of like tax, uh, citations or whatever you want to call them. And what you would do is you would just not pay for four quarters, five quarters, however long it take before the IRS is finally like, Hey, we're going to send somebody down there to see what's going on. And then by the time the IRS comes down, you've closed up that gas station and you moved right along. So essentially what you're doing is you are just running a gas station, but not paying any of the taxes on it. But, he made a fucking killing do, doing, you know, just, just what I just said. And so he's always kind of, ever since he came out with a documentary, I think it was back in like 2012, 2013, something like that, where, you know, he, I mean, he really delved into the mob. He talked about his dad. He talked about the, you know, the inner workings of the Colombo crime family when he was in it. He, he, uh, he was one of the first ones I've seen anyway, to describe like intimately what the scenario was like when you became a made man that, you know, you walked into a room and the the boss, the underboss, the consigliere, and then all the captains of the family would be in this dark, you know, dim lit room. There'd be a gun and a knife on the table or a gun and a sword, excuse me. They would prick your hand and they would have you juggle the picture of a, of a saint, a Catholic saint card. And as you juggled the, the picture of the saint, they would, uh, they would say to you that you're being born again into a new life. And if you betray your brothers, you will burn in hell the same way this saint burns in your hand. And uh, Michael Francis was the first one that I seen personally to really depict what a, uh, a being made ceremony was actually like. And he was made on Halloween, uh, nineteen seventy five, I do believe it was nineteen seventy five. I know he's made made on Halloween. Um, and then John L. Light, John L. Light never really, I never really heard him talk much about the making ceremony or anything like that, but he did. Talk about his time, uh, you know, sifting through the ranks during like the Gotti administration and the uh, John Gotti Jr. administration. I mean, and eventually he turns state's evidence too, and becomes an informant. So, I mean, really, we're talking about two. Michael Francis claims that he never read nobody out. And I guess as far as everything you can prove, meh, I don't know. He didn't, but he did. I don't know. Also is that he's a preacher and I do not buy it. I think it's another great money making scheme. He charges, I think, like, 5K a head to be, you know, wherever he's giving his motivational speeches, his God speeches, whatever you want to call it. I have the reason I don't trust organized religion right there, but that's a whole other scenario. So, But my thing about Fear City is, like, if I was going 1 through 10, I'd give them a, a 7 out of 10, and I feel like I'm being generous. But I'm giving them a 7 out of 10 because the whole, like, when you're making a documentary to me, Half of the, you know, like, half the battle is that in-between, like, those little fill-in scenarios where you're showing, you know, just different shit that relates to what you're talking about. And they had very, very good surveillance pictures. They had very good uh, wiretaps that they played, but nothing, nothing was new. Nothing really, you know, stuck out. Nothing jumped out. It was all kind of repetitive shit, shit I've seen on YouTube, shit I've seen on other uh, mob documentaries. I mean, and that, and, like, they got so many investigators. They, They went and... They found as many different FBI, you know, underlings and like uh, the people that really helped to prosecute them out. They had Rudolph Giuliani on there, as they always do. You know, they had they didn't seem to have any real authors, which was kind of a, a blow to me because I figured like uh, Slew and Rab, the author of uh, the book Five Families, which is pretty much the mafia Bible. If you ever want to just read up on the mob yourself, Slew and Rab's Five Families is definitely I mean, it's where you start. That's where anybody who wants to learn anything about anything starts, and then you can go from there, and you can start to sift and look into other individual mobsters, individual families, you know, anything like that, but his book, really, I mean, he wrote for the New York Times f- forever, it seemed like, so, like, he lived through a lot of these stretches where guys are getting whacked, in, he's making the papers like Carmine Galante, and, you know, Paul Castellano, and just different individuals that he actually researched and wrote on, and I mean... He was just, I mean, he's just the man, but they didn't include nobody like that, it didn't seem like, um, and they only included two ex-wise guys, and it really, really bothered me, because they wanted to talk about all five families, they wanted to talk, because mainly what this focused around was in the 80s, in, in the in the early 80s, the government gets together, and they finally put into effect the, the Rico stature, which had been around since, I do believe, 1972. But no federal prosecutor really wanted to take an attempt on it, it botched and, you know, them look like uh, an asshole, really, because you'd be the first one to try to put the law into effect. Essentially, what the RICO law does is it takes the ability to how the bosses used to insulate themselves. Before RICO, what it was is you'd have the boss of a crime family, the underboss, and, like, adjacent to the underboss, and the boss is the consigliere, which is kind of like just an advisor, uh, and it's not like the Godfather because you had to be you had to be an Italian Sicilian whatever you had to be a made man and you didn't have to be a lawyer. But in the movie The Godfather, uh, Robert Duvall's character Tom Hagen he plays the consigliere. So if that gives you any kind of you know and then like Don Corleone would be the boss. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sonny Corleone would be the underboss because I'm uh, pretty sure uh, all the other guys. Ah um, oh, fuck, I can't think of their names right now. Um, Salvio, I think. No, that's uh that's Sopranos. Either way, uh, none, nonetheless, it's, um, it's a it's a giant hierarchy, right? And so the boss has found a way to insulate themselves through putting an underboss, a consigliere, and then you have a series of captains, which are like the mid-level guys in the mob, and then the captains oversee the soldiers who are made members of the mob, but they're at the bottom of the rung. And then everybody under the soldiers who isn't made, can't be made, whatever, they're just working for the mob, those are known as associates, knock-around guys, whatever you want to call them. And they were really the ones out there doing the dirt. The soldiers were out there doing the dirt too, but the soldiers are sort of like, you know, they got their little, their little pack, their little gang or whatever. They're, you know, four or five guys that work for them. And all those associates are really the ones bringing in the money. Uh, like in uh, Goodfellas, like Henry Hill is an associate. Uh, Jimmy Burke is an associate. Even though Jimmy Burke was a well-respected associate, he was nonetheless an associate. He could never be made. He, I mean, he was fully Irish, but he just, he knew how to make enough money that he was a very feared, respected, and, you know, sought after associate. But nonetheless, uh, Michael Francis uh, made it to the position of captain, which I would think would bother a lot of people if he never did catch bodies. Because most of the time, in order to be a captain, you've you've participated in, in a murder or two, uh, and that's not to say that Michael Francis may not have ordered uh, a handful of murders. But he, I, from what I understand, he never participated in one himself. Nor does he tell a story. In any of the documentaries where he participates in one himself, John Light on the other hand, he, John Light was only ever a soldier. I do believe he was a made man. If he wasn't, I apologize to anybody out there listening who is like he was never made. He's fucking just an associate. You fucking you stupid fuck. But nonetheless, from what I know, John Light was a made man and and does have bodies. How many? I don't know. He'll probably tell you thirty because any of those guys who turn state's evidence, they want to sound tougher. They want to whatever, uh, you know. But nonetheless, I know he's at least got one or two. And. What bothers me is like, I mean, there was still, there's still plenty of turncoats out there that are alive and well. Frank Collada from the Chicago outfit. I mean, if they'd have really, if they would have wanted to, you know, put a little money on the on the documentary, you probably could have got Sammy the Bull. Maybe, maybe not. He might be turning down shit nowadays. Now that he's got like his podcast, he's setting up and all that. But I mean, you could, you could have got a lot of different. You could have got Larry Mazza. You could have got. I mean, there, there's a, a a ton of people you could have got to be in this documentary, and you sort of just rode with the two. That I see in every fucking documentary. So it was kind of a letdown. Like I said, the direct the directing was beautiful. The production level was I mean, forget about it. Like, I mean it was it was definitely a good documentary. I I did thoroughly enjoy it, but they didn't give us anything new to latch onto as far as like, you know, mob history freaks and like all the people out there who were, you know, craving a new mob documentary, like I was, you know, I know there's plenty of them. And also like It it just felt like it was kind of rushed, like either Netflix rushed it, or the producer rushed it, or the director himself rushed it, or herself, who, I don't know, I didn't read the credits, so, but, I mean, nonetheless, it was, uh, it was, like I said, 7 out of 10, I'm being generous, but I love this mob shit, so I'll, I'll definitely give it the benefit of the doubt, um, I will say, though, Netflix, uh, step your game up, bro, you know what I mean, I know, I know I'm just a subscriber, I know I just give you a little bit of chump change every month to, uh, put new content out there, but, I mean, God damn, like, all this shit I'm out here doing for y'all, and y'all just gonna keep feeding me the same bullshit? One sec, I gotta cough. <coughs> and that, kid is why you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. Um, but no, nonetheless, Netflix, for real. I mean, between just handing anybody and their brother money to do a stand-up special, which most of them are phenomenal, you know, Bill Burrs, Paper Tiger, Pete Davidson's Alive from New York, loved them both, but, like, I see a lot of bullshit specials out there, both stand-up uh, documentary-wise, history-wise, I mean, like, they it seems like they put the most effort into that Tiger King bit, which was a phenomenal documentary, hilarious. I, I mean, hooked like heroin from the first episode, but nonetheless, I'd like to see that kind of production value and that kind of, like, commitment in, in, into, a, into a mob documentary. And they did do it a little while back. They had, like, a six-part series, seven-part series to where, like, they did end up getting a lot of turnovers. They had, like, Sal polisi on there, who was a Gambino associate. They had Jimmy Calandra on there, who was a banana associate through the Bath Avenue crew. They like that that uh that documentary was actually very, very thorough and very well done. And uh and I really appreciate the level of commitment they put into it. But this one seems like, like I said, like somebody had a really good vision. It got rolled up, chopped down. Uh the producer was like, We only got X amount of dollars, so a little bit gets kicked off there. And then they just filmed it and sent it, man. And I mean, like, I, I can't say shit because I ain't never made a documentary. Hopefully one day soon here. Knock on wood, you know, but Nonetheless, uh, 7 out of 10 for me on Fear City, and I don't know, if you haven't seen it, go click on it yourself, and I mean, leave a review, I mean, do do whatever you feel, but uh, yeah, that, the whole reason I picked this topic for this weekend was, uh, it was current, you know, I mean, I watched the series Friday for a little bit, and then I watched it last night again, just to, you know, double down on it, and really, really get it sunk in my head, and I, it's it just is it's a two-parter, and they really only talked about, like I said, that late 70s, early 80s mob era in New York. Which I mean, which was a real golden era for the mob, don't get me wrong. But like, you know, you get to like the Paul Castellano hit and they talk about the commission trial and how eventually the commission trial they start handing out a hundred years to like fat Tony Solano from the Genovese family, you know, our uh Anthony Tony Ducks Corallo from the Lucchese family. Paul Castellano would have gotten his hundred years, but he was gunned down uh December 16th, 1985, outside Spark State House uh by John Gotti. And his crew of miscreants, uh, along with, you know, Sammy Gravano and individuals along that, uh, (laughs) chart, um, yeah, just a whole, a whole series about the same shit that, you know, has been, been said and done for a while. Like, I mean, this isn't nothing in the documentary really give me any new information except maybe, a, like, a uh, little tidbit story or two by Franzese or, uh, John Light, but I don't even know, I don't even know, if you really dug, they probably told those same stories a million times, so, I don't know, you guys watch it, judge for yourselves, next week, uh, I'm gonna try to have a guest on, hopefully, uh, I gotta talk to some people this week, you know, my boy out in Boston, Boston, Rob, how you doing, how's your ma? you know, Paul E. G. from New York, you know, you know, Danny T., Vincent Apra, all those fellas, um, Big shout out to them. Big shout out to the original Gangster Podcast by Scott M. Bernstein. Shout out to L. Prophet and all his work. Ryan Leone out there, out there on the West Coast doing that Gonzo bit. You know, uh, I mean, just a big shout out to everybody out there listening. Uh, anybody who's viewing me on YouTube, I am sorry that the YouTube channel is not bumping right now. Like I said, I'm 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 an in an in between standstill. I got a bunch of gear I gotta get. I'm climbing towers all week long. And, I mean, other other than my podcast and my career, like, you know, the life's sort of spiraling out of control right now. So, I'm going to get it together for y'all, though, because I do love doing this shit. I love your guys' feedback, positive or negative, it don't matter to me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just love y'all. You know what I mean? So, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, don't, don't listen to the government too much about this corona shit. Make your own opinion. Form your own opinion. Just, you know, stay relaxed, stay chill, stay low-key, and just keep coming to join us here at the Hideaway on Sunday Fun Day, baby. All right? I love y'all. Take it easy.